The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Xabi Alonso with the penalty kick. Oh, he's been saved, but he gets the rebound. 3-3, Liverpool amazingly have pulled this back. So Liverpool in search of number seven. And to get there, they'll need some pretty strong performances in a very tough Champions League group. It's the Red Agenda Extra. And joining myself, Steve Hothersolis, Simon Hughes, and also coming up shortly, the Athletics, Andy Jones. We're going to talk European aspirations, Andy Robertson's new contract, and the first big test of the season, the showdown with Chelsea. Of course, they're head-to-head with Lukaku and Van Dijk. Let's start with the Champions League draw. Sai Jurgen Klopp says he laughed uh, when he discovered that Liverpool had been handed a tough Champions League draw. I'm sure he was watching it. I'm sure no one told him. Um, what, what, what was your response to it? I thought it was exciting. Um, you know, after the 18 months that we've had, um, you know, no no crowds in football stadiums. I'm anticipating that the there will be for these games, whether fans will be able to travel abroad seems a little bit unclear at the moment. But, you know, what you, you want to see, sort of the big historical clubs, um, I'd much sooner, sort of, from a personal point of view, watch AC Milan and Anfield, um, a team that um, that sort of that, that is, is, is on the way up that you haven't heard much about before. You know, Liverpool haven't played AC Milan and Anfield, I think, before, have they, Steve? Is that, is, that, is that the first time? I think you're probably right there. Which is incredible when you think about both clubs' histories. I mean, I understand, obviously, Porto, more familiar, and Atletico Madrid as well. But, you know, they're going to be really competitive games, and that's what you want to watch. And I, th- I think that Liverpool have, you know, done better against better opposition. You know, Liverpool have struggled a little bit through, you know, some of the European campaigns in the Champions League when... The opponents have included Red Star Belgrade and you know Spartak Moscow. Those two seasons, they, they struggled in the group stages. So there's there's no sort of gimme anyway. Um, and I just think the team performs better when they know that they've got to be on it. So yeah, I, I think it's really exciting. I mean, I can understand some people will feel you know it's a tough draw. It's going to be tough on the legs. I get all that, but you know it's it's exciting. Sai, sometimes the, the group games don't grab the attention. They, they certainly do this time. There's the historic rivalry with Milan. You, you mentioned it. Liverpool know Porto all too well. And, of course, Atletico Madrid, the last biggie that took place at Anfield. And there's a certain Luis Suarez involved in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, last time Suarez came to Anfield, he was playing for Barcelona and was stung by the reaction that he got from Liverpool fans. Um, I think on that occasion it was just fair game. You know, he was playing up, trying to wind up certain players, and the, and the fans reacted. And I think it just reminded again just how powerful the fan base can be when, when, um, when, when the sort of the backs are against the wall and and some somebody upsets them because all was forgotten with his links for Liverpool on that night. And I think it contributed towards the outcome massively. Um, you know, Liverpool's record against Atletico Madrid isn't particularly good, you know, over the years. They've obviously played them a few times um, in the Champions League and the, the Europa League and never really got the results that they want. So it's it's something that they, they need to sort of overcome, really. It's a difficult opponent. Um, obviously, they won the La Liga last year. Uh, they've improved the squad over the summer. Um, you know, I think they're favourites for the La Liga again this year, which is a bit different to previous season when they won the league and they've had the best players taken away from them. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a really tough challenge, but, um, you know, one that, that I think, it, it, again, it's, it's exciting. I'd, I'd just sooner be watching these sorts of games where there's there's all sorts of subplots, you know, with you talk about Milan, you know, obviously that, that's obviously well known with Istanbul and then 2007. Um and it would be great. I mean, Porto, people might have a bit of down about, but it would be great if, if somehow we can get over to Porto and watch the game there as well. Because to be honest, Steve, I think about the cities first rather than the actual matches in some ways because, you know, three three fantastic cities. I just hope fans are able to, to go and enjoy them because I've been to all three of them and the, the three of the best cities in Europe and um, perfect for an away day. Let's just go back to Atletico Madrid and that that meeting with Suarez. And, and you mentioned that hostile reception he got 
when he played for Barcelona. All bets were off that day, weren't there? Suarez was trying his tricks. The crowd weren't having it. Are we expecting another affair like that in terms of the Liverpool fans and Luis Suarez? Will, will they be on his back, Si? I, I, think, I think a lot depends on how he sort of reacts and performs. Um, as I said, I, I think on that night against Barcelona, it was it was sort of the rules of the warfare were set by him and the way he acted on the night. And, you know, he was clearly on the wind up from minute one. And I think Liverpool fans saw that and thought, well, we're not putting up with that. I don't care, you know, what you've done for the club in the past. And he was, I think he was really affected by the reaction that he got from the crowd on that night. I don't think there was any sort of, I mean, given the fact that Liverpool won the game 4-0 and went through, nobody will ever look back at that game and think, oh, remember when Luis Suarez sort of, you know, um, you know, did something bad against Liverpool. I think I think it's just now people just think of that game because of the victory and the Suarez element of it isn't the first thing you think of in that game. But, you know, I do think that if he starts being the way he can be and agitating, the fans won't hesitate in, in giving him a hard time. And I think that's the, the way it should be, really. I think there's bit too much respect sometimes between sort of current players and old players and if he if he wants to act that way then that's fine he's trying to win the game for Atletico Madrid but equally he shouldn't expect people just to sort of applaud him off the pitch I remember in the new camp I mean he was an absolute nightmare that night he was the same uh, and got away with a lot on that night and I believe there was a bit of confrontation in the tunnel after the game between him and Andy Robertson which which obviously continues into the second leg. That's all fine by me, but obviously the second leg, you, you know, when you come back to Anfield, you're going to have a hard time if you continue because I don't think Liverpool people will permit that sort of behaviour. I mean, he was, he was he was sort of taking the piss, really, wasn't he, Steve, initially? And I just thought he he was really, really affected by by what happened. So let's see what he does. It'll be interesting to see whether he's learned a lesson because if he upsets the crowd, then suddenly he's, he's going to... He can it potentially... Can, um, backfired on he's learnt now that it can backfire if you try and 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 do what he sometimes does on a football pitch and, and perhaps he should have known better I mean Atletico La Liga champions Simeone still has them incredibly hard to beat Jan Oblek in goal Yao Felix up front that they're arguably a, a tougher proposition but let's face it of all three clubs that Liverpool will come up against it's definitely a group that Liverpool should back themselves to win Si but they can't afford not to be on their game for any of these matches now. I'd, I'd go along with that, Steve. Yeah, I, th- I think the well, I, I think Atletico would argue that they, they well would like to think that they're favourites for the group. Let's not forget they're Spanish champions. They will go into it with lots of confidence. They've got a world class manager and a team that knows exactly what it's doing. But I do think that on their day, Liverpool performed at a better side than Atletico Madrid. Um, AC Milan haven't been in the Champions League for a long time. Uh, I know they've they've obviously made uh, improvements to the team, but it, it's it's not the team of two thousand and five and two thousand and seven. Um, I would fancy Liverpool over two games to anyway against them to, to to come out with more points, and then Porto. Obviously, Liverpool's record against Porto has been excellent in recent years, um, but I think I think they're a, a much improved team from the one that that Liverpool easily. Uh, swept aside in successive Champions League campaigns so yeah it's a very tough group but uh, 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 it's tougher than you would have liked but as I said big games big games I think it's just going to I I can't wait for them Uh, you know from a from a writing and from a I suppose a fan perspective it's that these are the games that are exciting you don't want to be sort of you know I think for a long time you know we've taken sort of these sort of big occasions for granted and Obviously, the last eighteen months has reminded that you know the the could be a, a chance that you know in the future the f- fans aren't there. It, it's it's not as fun. So, yeah, only only stuff to look forward to for me, Steve. The, the one that really stood out to me was the return to the San Siro. Now, I was lucky enough to go when Liverpool played into Milan, and I was commentating on that one and the Fernando Torres winning goal that night. Torres at his, his best, really. And, of course, it was the chaos that surrounded the game as well in the sense that Xabi Alonso had said to Rafa Benitez he didn't want to travel because of the, the impending arrival of a, of a child in the family. Um, I did, great memories of that. Unfortunately, I won't get to go again this time, but Liverpool in the San Siro, that's a big draw to me, Si. Oh, yeah, yeah. San Siro is one of the, the sort of iconic football stadiums in the world. 
venues. I mean, it, it's quite interesting, really, because it got the stadium itself sort of got renovated for the nineteen ninety World Cup. It, it looked very different before that. Um, so it's sort of it's it's modern identity has only been really thirty years in the way that it looks and feels now. But I think particularly to people in England of a certain age will remember. You know, Football Italian on Channel 4 and grew up with this image of AC Milan, the, the mighty AC Milan in an amazing, you know, football stadium, which is very unique. I mean, you, you don't, in terms of the, the architecture of the stadium, there is no stadium like it. You know, big, steep stands. Um, I was disappointed to, to hear that, the, you know, they're planning on moving away from that stadium. Um, but it's another opportunity to go uh, and and... and even if the fans can't go on this occasion, I think the players will relish it because, you know, it's 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 got to be one of the the top five venues in world football. So, I think it'll be a, a a great occasion. I think AC Milan will be desperate to go and make a mark on the competition, having not been in it so long. In much the way, you know, Liverpool have been when you know that they've had a couple of years away um, in the Europa League or not even in Europe. So. I think that game's going to be absolutely fascinating to watch. They're, they're, they're a good, as I said, see, they're a good team, but I, I would I would fancy Liverpool with their experience, you know, over the last couple of years to to outmanoeuvre them um, across two games, which should, in theory, give them the edge um, in the context of the whole group. Yeah, AC Milan were the team that everyone was trying to avoid in in pot four. And as I said, that you know they're pretty decent at the moment. Led Syria for much of last season, just lost out to Inter at the end of it. Uh, just away from Liverpool's group, quick thought on on Manchester City PSG could turn out to be a, a Messi Ronaldo occasion. Um, both should qualify. The question, I suppose, is who's going to finish top in that group? Difficult because obviously Messi hasn't made his debut for PSG yet. I think that's over the weekend. So. Yeah, I mean, if, if if PSG find a way to click into gear, they're going to be very difficult to stop this season. Um, you know, at some point, PSG or Man City are going to win the Champions League, aren't they? I mean, it, it can't go on for much longer. I suspect there's too much quality. I think PSG are a much better team than, than people like to think. I think it's easy to sort of uh, dismiss them just because of all the money that they've spent and you think, oh, well, they're not quite as good because of all that money when the reality is they are actually a very good side. And they, at certain points in the competition in the last sort of three or four years, they've fallen short for a variety of reasons. But I, I do think that obviously signing Messi is going to be um, major for them. He's still a world-class player. I mean, it was only two seasons ago we spoke about the Barcelona game uh, in terms of Liverpool. I mean, I, that was the first time I'd seen him play live and in the new camp he was just on a totally different planet. Um, I mean, if he reaches those those levels, they're going to be very difficult to stop. He's playing with better players now. Unfortunately, Barcelona aren't at the level that they, they were five, six years ago. PSG have better players. It's, it's as simple as that now. Um, it's whether they can they can raise the level of the intensity with which they play from the French League into the Champions League when they play teams like Man City and go to the Etihad. I mean, I know people sort of take the mickey out of the um, the atmosphere at Man City and, you know, the lack of sellout stadiums. But I have been there when Liverpool have been there in, in the Champions League. And it on the night, it, it, it can be loud and boisterous and difficult and... You know, City can play that aggressive style of football and be very interesting to watch how they play it against PSG because they've got players who could possibly match them in terms of their style. So I wonder whether uh, Guardiola will try and do something a bit different in in, in those games. Um, but yeah, yeah, fascinating tie for me. If you were to ask me now who will finish up top of that group, I'd say City. I just think City... Um, you know, if, if they sign Ronaldo, um, I mean, it's they're going to be very difficult to stop on all fronts. So Man City, PSG, uh, Bruges and Leipzig United, uh, possibly the best draw. They've got Villarreal, Atalanta and Young Boys and Chelsea will play uh, Juventus, Zenit and Malmo. For a club like Liverpool, the, the Champions League has never been more important. The impact of the pandemic means that, you know, it's not just about the prestige side, is it? The prize money is so, so valuable. In 2019, they picked up £113 million when they won the Champions League. Qualifying for it now is worth £58 million. It's not being greedy, but, you know, Liverpool requires the income, the revenue from this tournament. Yeah, I mean, it's vitally, vitally important. Um, despite what I've just said about the excitement of the ties, um, 
nevertheless, there is a financial reality. But, you know, it depends whether you want me to ask the, answer the question from a journalistic point of view. Yeah, you'd sooner, from Liverpool's perspective, have an easier tie, an easier group where you can go through the group and win more games and accrue uh, greater profit from those victories because obviously there's prize money available from each win in the group stage. From a fan's point of view, I, I think it's more exciting that they're playing sort of bigger teams, you know, with bigger occasions. Um, but, you know, that there is the financial reality to it. Liverpool, as we've discussed many times, um, rely under the current, current ownership model for on profit and loss. So, you know, getting out the group stages is vitally important, really, um, for for the economic world and the economic reality of the summer to follow and the summers to follow. So, you know, you can't you can't bet the house on Liverpool getting out of the group stage every single year and getting to the semi-finals every single year because I don't think that makes any economic sense. You know, because the competition's so fierce and um, the teams regenerate each year and get stronger. Um, but I, I would say it's pretty important that they get out the group stage. I, I mean, I, I would, you know, I, I would think that Liverpool and Atletico will get out the group um, and progress to the to the knockout stages, um, providing, of course, Liverpool don't have a horrendous injury backlog, which which hampers them. Can't wait, can't wait. I mean, for you, Premier League or Champions League site, I'm a, I'm a bit of a European man. I love the Champions League. I love everything that goes around it. Obviously, you'd take either, but, y- you know... I love a good run in the Champions League. The Champions, I mean, the, going away in Europe particularly, I mean, that, that's the element of it which remains a little bit unanswered in terms of to what extent and when are you able to travel. We still don't know absolutely what the future is going to look like in a month's time, two months' time, six months' time. And the Champions League European stories are based around those experiences. Um I mean, I, I love, you know, I've had some great trips over the last sort of four or five years, particularly. Um, but for me, I'd still prioritise the Premier League just because it wasn't won under the circumstances that Liverpool would have hoped when they did win it in in, um, in 2020. But yeah, you can't be too picky, I think. I mean, they're both amazing competitions. I mean, I, I, I love the Champions League. I think it's a great competition. I know people... Um, sort of, there's, there's there's forces within football who want to create the the European Super League. I, I actually think that the Champions League, particularly when it gets to the group, the knockout stages, it's absorbing. There's so many great ties, um, you know, great unscripted drama. It's created some amazing nights. I don't know why you'd want to change that. I do think that ideally you'd want some sort of redistribution in terms of how you know, well, making it easier for teams from sort of lesser countries to compete and sustain that level of competition. But in terms of the knockout stages, it's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it getting going again. And last season, you know, it was a disappointing... Well, you know, let's not forget they actually did okay in the Champions League last year, Liverpool. But I'm absolutely convinced that if if, if there'd been a full house at Anfield against Real Madrid, um, that would have made a bit bit of a difference in terms of the outcome. Imagine the scenario. A much-loved and inspirational leader has announced his intention to take a career break and you need to find someone just as tactically astute and charismatic, but perhaps without the glasses and the teeth. Well, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They've even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk. W-L-K to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's welcome athletic writer Andy Jones to the podcast. Great to have you on, Andy. Hello, thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. What have you made to Liverpool's start of the season, first of all? Solid, I think, is is the best way to describe it. I mean, they've sort of done exactly what 
what they needed to do in, in terms of the opposition is not, well, they're probably two of the teams that are going to be towards the back, the bottom of the table. So I think they've, they've, they've gone in with it professionally and, and got the job done and with, with sort of minimal fuss. Um, I mean, Burnley played well for, for 60 minutes and Liverpool, you know, couldn't quite, you know, get, get, get rolling. But then when they eventually did, it was sort of plain, plain sailing for, for the rest of the game and when they went 2-0 up it was it was pretty easy from that point of view so yeah this job done I think so far and and but with a uh, bigger tests to come I think yeah absolutely smooth start to the season decent start and still some regular first team starters to come back into the side size so Fabinho of course and then Andy Robertson I want to focus a little bit on Andy here he's the he's the fifth player in four weeks to extend his contract at Liverpool Football Club and we all know how integral he is to what Jurgen is creating. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously the, the fullback positions are, are very significant in terms of the way Liverpool play. Um, a lot of the sort of assists come from the wide areas rather than the midfields. Um, so it was really important that they managed to keep Andy Robertson. I mean, I, I've got to be honest, I don't think it was ever going to be a problem. I think he always wanted to stay. Um but yeah, I just I just touch on it there, Steve. You know, you said about you know obviously the five five uh, players signing new contracts, and I know there's there's obviously been a, a lot of talk on social media about you know there's been too much sort of trumpeting of the significance of this. So I, I think people have got some you know quite short memories in, in some ways because it wasn't so long ago Liverpool weren't able to keep hold of the best players. You know that. Uh, they, they they were they were in many cases leaving the club. You know they obviously lost. It became a club where the best players inevitably would move on um, before their peak years. Whereas, I mean, we could talk about uh, Fernando Torres. We could talk about you know Luis Suarez, Raheem Sterling, Coutinho. All these players left um, just at the point where you're expecting them to become, you know, the, the sort of the the, the really. Sort of the players that you hang your hat off. Um, whereas now, you know, Liverpool are able to keep the the players in the in the in their prime. So I think I think that's really important. Um, do, do you think that there's a, a sense, Si, of some supporters that this isn't an important element? Yeah, I do sense that. Yeah, I just don't whether it's short memories or not. I mean, I'm not denying that Liverpool probably need to. I think I'd feel a bit more comfortable if they signed another forward, for example. I, th- I think that that argument is fair. Um, but, you know, as for the midfield question, people are saying about Wijnaldum, but anybody watching Harvey Elliott's performance against Burnley at the weekend would say, OK, very different players, different, different um, to bring different things to the team, obviously different age categories. But I think it'd be quite good for Liverpool if they gave Harvey Elliott a chance this season to to rack up a number of games and affect those games. You know, he's affecting the game at the top end of the pitch, which has been a criticism of Liverpool for quite a long time, you know, that they don't get enough players from midfield creating and and, and getting on the score sheets and, and giving the assists. So, yeah, for, for me, I, I think it has been lost a little bit. I do wonder some of the criticism, you know, memories have been forgotten of almost recent times. I understand Coutinho signed a contract not that long before he left Liverpool, I think it was about a year. Um, but you know, pretty confident now that these players you all signed their the new contracts that that's that's them at Liverpool for the rest of their sort of their best years now. Well, well, I think that's a really important point, Andy. Pick up on this one because these aren't players like Philip Coutinho who are going to be on their way. That they're very much embedded in the football club. They've already been at the heart of incredible. Success and you get the sense they're still very hungry for more. Yeah, definitely, and I think probably last season only increased that in terms of sort of the difficulties and you know, the problems that they faced. But the fact that they turned that season into a you know somewhat success in terms of a, a third place finish and a you know Clinton the Champions League, I think it's it, this season it's almost because they I think they've been under the radar in terms of title talk as well and. You know, City are, are always favourites, and and Chelsea and and the moves that they've made of Man United as well. So I think in a way these players are there's there's that sort of you know thing on on the back as well. That hold on a second, remember what we did when we were at full strength, and you know we've got our players coming back as well. And yeah, we've we've not added necessarily the big the big money sign like a Sancho or a Lukaku, but you know 
we were we were league champions, you know, a couple of a couple of seasons ago. So there's no reason why we can't be again. And I think I think that helps increase increase hunger because you know it it's wanting to to prove to everyone that no, you should be talking about us. Never mind everyone else. Yeah, but if we're talking about players in the in the prime of their career. It, it might sort of beg the question, where, where were some of these players a couple of years ago? Indeed, are they better now at the same level, Si? Is it a better group with age? I mean, uh, there are a few unanswered questions, I guess, because last season, for me, anyway, it was such an anomaly. Um, was it a sign of uh, a deterioration of the players' abilities? You know, that Liverpool's performances were so bad in certain periods of the season. Or was it genuinely, you know, a consequence of the... You know the horrendous injury uh, record that the team had and the squad had, and you know a combination of that with the you know the lack of crowds, which we've discussed many times. So I won't ramble on about that now. But so I, I think just it sort of gets at what Andy was saying there. In the I think that this Liverpool team feels like it's got a lot to prove. I mean, we we spoke last week, Steve, about you know the interview that I did with Trent and. I really sensed from him that, that there is a burning ambition inside him to go and win the title because he hasn't won it in the circumstances that he'd always hoped he might. I think a lot of players will feel the same way. You know that they haven't had the full hit, the full experience of of um, of winning a title and what comes with that. You know, in terms of the celebrations. So, yeah, I think the fact that are question marks and the fact that they still have something to prove, the fact that they've got. Uh, something to aspire towards that they haven't experienced before. I think that points in the right direction for Liverpool. Um, obviously, there is a concern that some of these players all get old at the same time, but I do think that over the next you know, three, four years of these contracts, there will be other players coming in. I think what Liverpool need to do and to ensure is that there are players coming through the system. I know, obviously, Harvey Elliott, who has come from Fulham, um, so he, he doesn't strictly fit that category. But I think, ideally, that's what the club wants to do and, and, and give those players a chance. But with that, there does need to be a degree of patience at times. Um, but, as I said at the beginning, I, I do feel that they, they are probably one one player or two players short of where they ideally would be. Um, but that could change in the next couple of days, potentially. I mean, that, that's not me saying it will change or have heard anything. But I, I do feel that, that if they're able to get a buyer for Divock Origi, it, it will become easier to get maybe another forward in. They seem well-stocked at left-back now, Andy. And if we, if we go back to Andy Robertson, and, you know, obviously I think he's going to come back in, take the, the spot off Simicast, but there's some good competition there. Jurgen Klopp once described him as the full package Defender and attacker, Andy Robertson. His stats are just remarkable. 37 assists in 177 appearances for Liverpool. I mean, none of us would have thought this when he arrived from Hull City. No, exactly. Um, and I still sort of remember his first Premier League game against Crystal Palace and he showed little bits and, and pieces and signs, but it was still very much, you, you, walk, you came away from it sort of, yeah, you still got a, you know, a bit to learn and a, you know, a ways to go to sort of get up to the standard that some of the other players in the team were, were sort of setting. But, you know, determination is probably one of his biggest attributes and, and he showed that in abundance from that point, really, um, even when he wasn't in the team initially to to when he got into it and he was determined he was never... No one was ever going to come in and, and take his place. Um, and he's just gone from strength to strength. And and it is, he's got better in all departments. I think playing alongside Van Dijk has, has probably certainly helped that defensively. Um, and, and sort of the, the dual threat that that he shares with Trent and, and the relationship he has with, with Sadio Mane as well, you know, can only can only benefit players, I think. And, and and you're right, I think he is sort of at this point now that the full package, because you add to that not just what he does on the ball, but, you know, his leadership as well, captain of Scotland. Yeah. It's it's something that probably isn't spoken about as as much because of some, how many leaders Liverpool have in the squad. Um, but I think he's another one who, who certainly brings that and, and brings that to the table. And so I think... You know, all round, he's he's matured and developed into, you know, as as close to the full package as, as you could probably get. And he's got a player pushing him. I, I can't remember the last time, Andy, when we had two really decent left backs, and it looks like we've got a really decent one. Obviously, there's there's still time to see how well Costas Simicast can 
progressed, but he's shown a lot of the qualities that you'd want for someone who's going to fight for that position. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I've, the way I've taken in Liverpool's first two games has been quite interesting because I was on the train back from a Burnley game, watching it on my phone uh, against Norwich, and then obviously was was more watching Burnley than Liverpool, uh, which is is always weird. Um, last last weekend, but it, no, he he was someone who stood out, and I think it was that moment towards the end of the game, wasn't it, where. Um, you know, he, he goes into a few challenges with a few Burnley players and, and comes out with the ball and probably got one of the biggest roars of, of the afternoon. Um, and, and, and that's the type of, you know, sort of spirit and fight that you've got to show, especially when you're, you know, you're trying to take the place of, of someone so so crucial to the Liverpool team. But it's been, I've been really impressed by him. Um, I thought he looked really sharp in pre-season. It looks like he's come in and sort of with a point to prove, I guess. Um, and, and and he you know he, he played well in those preseason games and he's brought that form you know into the into the Premier League and he you know he looks really good crossing the ball um he looks like he's you know he's got a good eye in in terms of aim when he's when he's looking to put it into the box but also you know you can st- you can see that defensive you know sort of ability coming on and that was the problem last season I think is that it was that case of trying to bed him in and he, he didn't have the best of luck with injuries as well. And and then, you know, Liverpool's centre-half issues happen and then it's, can you, you know, put him in with some of the younger lads and and sort of in the end, you know, that wasn't, it wasn't to be. But you can sort of see that he's done a lot of learning while he's not been playing and probably watching Andy Robertson a lot um, to see, you know, how, how he can sort of replicate that and sort of try and, you know, put his own spin on it and and, and push him as push him as, as much as he can. But yeah, no, the, the signs have been really good and and well, as you say, Robertson will probably come back in on on the Saturday. But you know, Simicash will be unfortunate to miss out. Sometimes it can be frustrating for new Liverpool players' side because Jurgen Klopp doesn't have a tendency to throw them in straight away and just let them keep going. Obviously, with Simicash and Andy mentioned, it's it's taken a while, but he's had his chance now. Um, but early on in their careers, they often don't get a lot of game time. How, how frustrating, how much perhaps of a, a blow to his confidence would it be to sort of lose game time now? Yeah, it's a good question, that. Because um, I, I was impressed by him at the weekend and I thought he you know, he had, he had a good game against Norwich as well. Clearly, very good going forwards. Clearly got, you know, a good crossing ability as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a quite a big decision, really. I mean, Klopp tends to tends to go with the tried and trusted in these big games. Um, so I would be surprised if Robertson didn't play. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's going to be a lot of games coming up. I mean, you've got to remember as well, I suppose there's an international break after this after this game. So I suppose Simakas's progression will be interrupted by that, just by having that that two-week sort of interlude going away with Greece, um, at which point he'd be coming back into a team where... There'd be probably changes from week from game to game, given that the Champions League starting anyway. So I don't think there's a great deal of harm, you know, in terms of putting Robertson back in. I mean, for, for me, it, it's an easy choice. I think Andy Robertson's been a great player for Liverpool. I'm, I'm sure he'll be ready for the game on uh, against Chelsea, and he, he should be the the one who plays. Um, you know, Costa Simicast thought did, did very well at the weekends. I think he still showed some some sort of some vulnerabilities defensively jumping in a little bit too quickly at times. Um, but, you know, it was a very promising performance. I thought, you know, home debut at Anfield, a lot of people sort of closely watching you. You're going to get tested against Burnley physically as well. He stood up to that challenge and, and wasn't afraid to sort of be aggressive in, in the tackle and, and and mix it with, you know, with, with more physical players. So, yeah, I think he'll play a higher number of games this season, obviously, because I think if, if Klopp had had his way last season, there would have been points where he would have given Andy Robertson a, a rest because I do, I do think his his um, his his sort of season was was interrupted by or affected by the number of games that he had to play. Right, let's move away from uh, from the left-back position. We've got to mention Jordan Shakiri, who's been at the football club for three years and, of course, now left um, for Lyon. Something of a, a cult hero. Played 63 times in three years and, and very much sort of a peripheral 
figure, Andy, but somehow found his way into the hearts of Liverpool fans, maybe for the goals against Manchester United, maybe just for the, the flair and the the ability to do things that no one's expecting. But what was it about the, the Shaq that you liked? I think it was that. He, he, he seems to find a way of popping up in, in big moments. I mean, you mentioned the Manchester United goals. There was also the, the cross in the, in the Barcelona game uh, for, for Wijnaldum. Yeah, he he was he was someone who just brought a little something a little bit different, and and you knew when he came on when he was on the pitch that he had the moments in him, and I think that's what why he, he endeared himself to Liverpool fans that you know he could pick a pass when you know it didn't look like there was anything on, and and he seemed to you know so the problem was he he did struggle to sort of find a a proper role within within Jurgen Klopp's side at any point, um, but. I mean, you think back to the start of, of last season and I can't remember who it was against, but it was one of the home games and just one of his passes into to Jota for, for a goal. It was West Ham or Sheffield United, I think it was. And, you know, it was just superb and it was vision that, that not many of the other Liverpool players certainly, well, display very often. Um, and I think that's why he was he was so well-liked because he, you know, coming off the bench or if he was in a starting role, he just had the ability to just be able to change a game um, I mean, as it as his time went on, it, I suppose his influence probably diminished in that sense. Um, sort of towards the end of last season, um, but yeah, and, and and injuries as well sort of frustrated him a little bit, I guess. But yeah, no, he, I, I mean, I really liked them just because of of that flair and, and his ability to at any point, uh, if even if you couldn't see it in the stands or watching on the TV, you know, he he could just in a, in an instance have somebody in on goal or or find the the right pass and the key pass, and he was prepared to take risks, which I think sometimes there were pros midfield, there can be a question mark over whether they take enough risk, and he was someone who would come in and certainly, you know, do that. I was just trying to think of his best goal, or indeed the favourite one, and then, of course, you remember the one in America against Manchester United, the overhead kick. You remember that? I mean, what a way <laughs> to set your stall out. Unbelievable, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, no, just thinking back. No, I'd, I'd forget about that myself. But yeah, no, that was certainly one way, one way to uh, to put yourself in the in the heart of Liverpool fans. And it was a shame you couldn't do that more often. Um, but then, Ben, but then not many players did. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, fair play to. Him. I mean, he's he's been a good servant, and that, and that's all you could ask for for someone who who came in and there was you know question marks about why Liverpool had really really brought him in, I guess, and and what he was going to you know really add to the squad. But he, he certainly. You know, when he was called upon, he, he certainly did more than more than his fair share of of helping the side in 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 big games and, and situations. Right, so so he's left the football club. We, we don't know Sai, do we? Have other players are coming in at this moment in time. A lot of rumours surrounding other clubs. I think you know you're looking at stuff saying Ronaldo to City is a possible strong link now. I mean, obviously we know Harry Kane's not going to go there at this point in time to to, to sign Ronaldo. Does that change the game even more? You know what I'm really interested to see if that does happen. I I always remember when Ronaldo played for Manchester United. He always referred to United as Manchester. So what is he going to do now? He goes to City. He's going to have to call him City, isn't he? He will. He will have to. Um, yeah. I mean, I I I haven't seen a great deal of uh, Ronaldo since he's he's gone to Juventus. Um, Obviously, he's the move hasn't quite worked out for him the way they envisaged it when they signed him. He was obviously signed to go and win them the Champions League, um, and they've been nowhere near that really over the last couple of seasons. So um, they're getting a player who's obviously one of the greatest players ever. Uh, if he goes there, um, it's only going to help their chances of winning the league and obviously winning. The Champions League, um, yeah, it's it's a bit demoralising, really, when you see you see that. I've, I've got to be honest, but um, he's been a great player. He's not quite the player that he once was, you know, in terms of the the distance that he'd be able to carry the ball. He doesn't have that that sort of speed and spring, um, but he's still a fabulous player. I've just found that quote. He said, "To play for City, not United. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because my heart's in Manchester United." That's why. There's a bit, bit of backtracking that might might need to be done. Look, we don't have its rumour, do we? Rafa Benitez got over the line with his backtracking, didn't he? So I'm, I'm sure it, it can be done. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see on the transfer front. Right, let's look ahead to a huge game at the weekend for both Liverpool and Chelsea. Two teams with unbeaten starts to the season side. It's a, 
it's a clash that has developed in two decades into one of the great rivalries, hasn't it? It has, you know, Steve. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've spoken before, haven't we, about the um, the period between two thousand and four and I suppose two thousand and eight nine, where it felt like they were playing each other every couple of weeks, and they were always really intense games. You know, very more often than not, quite close, very physical, and uh, not the not always the most attacking games. Um, Sometimes they were, of course. Like never forget the four four at Stamford Bridge. But um, in more recent seasons, you know the, the the games have been a bit different, a bit more open. Uh, I think that's just obviously a reflection of the managers. Um, and whenever um, you know, sort of, there's a, there's a there's a bit of rivalry there. I, I think between Klopp and and Tuchel because when Tuchel became the Dortmund manager, quite a few Dortmund fans were saying, you know, they're playing better football, the more pleasing football on the eye than they did under Klopp, but ultimately they didn't win. The trophies that they won under Klopp, um, two very different characters, I believe. Um, so yeah, there's, there's lots of sort of subplots there, but I mean, it's, it's a bit of a shame, I think, that the game comes really early in the season because particularly the, the week before the, tran- uh, the, the, the international break, um, you know, it's, it's the sort of game that you'd look forward to at the back end of the season, really. Um but we'll see. I mean, I, I think the Chelsea look in really good shape this season. And for me, um, you know, I think that, that, that they, well, before before Man City signed Ronaldo anyway, I, I would have said that they um, they probably have the, the best chance of winning, you know, a, a better chance of winning the league than they have done in the last few seasons, especially after Lukaku. I mean, that, that matchup between Lukaku and, um, and Virgil van Dijk is going to be fascinating because I think Lukaku is a much better player than he was when he, he last featured in the Premier League. The way he uses his body, you know, so powerful, uh, very difficult to stop. You know, he's he's just the all around player now. So, I think it's going to be a really good test for Van Dijk because he he's he had he had a tougher test against Burnley than he did against Norwich, uh, but th- this will be on a, a, a totally different level. I I think it's a challenge that Virgil Van Dijk will absolutely love. It's what he's made for. But I think the question is whether Andy it's it's come too soon because we're only three games into the season. Well, yeah, and I think well, the only way we're going to find out is 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 on Saturday when you know they they come to you know the first aerial challenge and and Lukaku gets the first ball into his feet and how how Van Dijk deals with it. But as as I you know to to follow on from size points, it, it has sort of been those little ramps up. You know, Norwich was you know a night probably a, a nice game to get back into, and then Burnley was was that more physical test where you know Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes are going to make your your life really difficult for. For ninety minutes, and and then this is the big one, um, and it's it it doesn't come quite much bigger than than coming up against a, a Lukaku type striker who wants to bully you, who wants to, you know, try and you know get the better of you and, and overpower you. Um, but so it will be very interesting to see you know how that matches up, and and it will be a a big insight into how far Van Dyke still got to go in terms of getting back up to, you know, his best level. Obviously, there's. He's not there yet anyway, we know that, but in terms of how close he is to, to possibly getting there. And, you know, it might be the game where he sort of, you know, announces I'm back. Um, nobody's scoring past me this season type thing. Um, and, and hopefully that is the case. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, I think, how Liverpool try and and sort of negate Lukaku because they're not, they're obviously not going to, you know, just let him go one-on-one with Van Dijk. It'd be interesting to see how they try and stop the supply into him and, and sort of, not necessarily double up, but but certainly make sure they've got a lot of bodies around them to, to stop them, you know, having much influence on the game. Or indeed, is Tuchel more interested in Lukaku maybe shouldering himself with, with Joel Matip's eye? Well, yeah, I mean, I thought Joel Matip was excellent last weekend as well. And I, I know obviously Bernie had a chance uh, towards the end, but he's, he's been important in the first two Liverpool performances, I think. It's easy to forget how... Um, how good a player he is because you know let's face it he hasn't played much in the last two seasons but when it, when he's fit i think he's a very good partner for van dyke um so that that element of it will be very interesting as well i mean he's not i think there's been a perception of Joel Matip um you know from his, the beginning of his time at liverpool that he you know he's not quite up to it physically in terms of his endurance being able to play against uh, you know a, a high number of games each season but Whenever he's come up against a physical presence in the game, he, he seems to relish that sort of contest. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Andy. I think that the key for Liverpool is to 
to stop the supply to him, to stop that possibility of him getting his back towards goal and, and bringing other people into play. Um, so in many ways, actually, uh, I, I think one of the interesting sort of areas of the pitch is where Jorginho plays. If he can get him going backwards rather than threading those balls forwards, it could become very difficult for Chelsea um, because both of their midfielders, Jorginho and Kovacic, are more... I don't want to say attack-minded, but they're, they're, they're more creative than, than than sort of workers. I do wonder whether they'll put Kante in. Obviously, he, he didn't start in the game at the weekend, I think. Um, so they're going to need more protection because everybody knows what it can be against, uh, like against Liverpool when the front three are swarming all over that area of the pitch and the, the midfielders are working as hard as they do. The, the, the big interesting decision will be on Elliot, whether he, he plays, because he, he was... The, the three of them down the right side for Liverpool, that's Alexander-Arnold, um, Elliot and, and Salah, were, were, looked really, really good the other day. And I think that if they can continue that and develop the relationship that that is clearly beginning to, to blossom there, I think they're going to be very difficult to stop for any team this season. Yeah, and just a quick shout for James's piece on, on Harvey Elliott. If you've not read it, brilliant piece. He reunited Harvey with one of his youth coaches, uh, Dan Thomas, who worked with him from the age of 12. Um, talks about how his dad kept his feet on the ground. Some really good stuff in there, so so well worth a read. Obviously, Chelsea being billed by many, Andy, as potential title challengers. You know, they're on people's lips as title contenders. That puts the pressure on a game like this. It, it, it intensifies, doesn't it? They're, they're the holders of the European Cup. And it's funny in a way, because, you know, when Liverpool last won the Champions League, we made sure everyone knew about it for the next 12 months. I don't know whether it's just ignorance, but I've not really heard Chelsea trumpeting that fact. No, it's, it's a good point, actually. Um, I mean, I'm sure we'll hear the, hear the songs on Saturday. Um, but yeah, no, it it always makes it just feel like a bigger game, doesn't it? When, when the, you know, the champions of Europe are... You know, you're going up against them because you just want to beat them. Um, and then it's sort of something that sort of a, a label on your back, isn't it? That, that other teams can can use to, to try and to get up for. And, and I'm sure, I mean, it's an intense rivalry, isn't it? Anyway, isn't it? I think for, for me, I just hope that it's, as I said, it, it doesn't come too early and that it turns into a game where both teams just sort of settle and it's you feel each other a little bit like um, Liverpool Man City early last season. At the at the Etihad when it was sort of one one, but sort of by about sixty, it felt like both teams were, were pretty happy with a a point. Um, I just hope it's not. I'd, I would like to think with with it being at Anfield with a full crowd and the that the Liverpool fans won't won't accept that anyway. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 going to be a it's going to be a really interesting. I I think what's what's interesting as well is that Liverpool like Tuchel's not come up against a, a proper Liverpool side yet in terms of when he's been manager at Chelsea. I don't think. Um, obviously, last season the game at Anfield was, you know, Fabinho was centred off, and and Liverpool were, you know, on that, you know, horrendous home home run. So this is going to be completely different. This is going to be a, you know, a, you know, a pretty full strength Liverpool side, and and it'd be interesting to see how how because Tuchel looked to play on the break a lot, quite a lot at Anfield, and and use the pace of of the likes of Werner, whereas Lukaku, although he, you know, he does have a turn of pace, is not that type of player. So it'll be interesting to see how he changes his approach. In that sense, but yeah, no, it's. I think with the crowd, uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna want to be back and they're gonna want to be gonna going to want to beat the Champions of Europe without a doubt. They'll be paying for it, won't they? So, who do you think's which team's got the best starting eleven when everyone's available at their their disposal out of the two? That's a difficult question to answer. I'd say Liverpool still. I'd still say Liverpool the best starting eleven. It's a starting eleven that that knows knows its game more. Um, let's not forget, you know, Tuchel. He's only been there six months, and to go and win the Champions League was was a bit of a surprise, really. Um, you know, it doesn't take away. You know, it does certainly doesn't take away from the achievements. It actually, you know, sort of magnifies it. You know, I think to to go into a club halfway through a season, and then from another country in a country that you haven't managed before, club that team that's sort of on a bit of a losing streak, and then um, and then make them European Championship uh, uh, champions is a incredible achievements but I still feel at Liverpool I've got that longer sort of memory um, and I think player for player they're still just a little bit stronger um, but in terms of the squad I know Liverpool have got high numbers but I would say that Chelsea's sort of immediate 16, 17 players um, 
in terms of the bench options, if everybody's available, it probably just edges Liverpool. Mm. Two great sides, top managers. Quality should be high unless, Andy, as you say, it, it doesn't turn into one of those affairs where we're thinking, oh, they've nullified each other. They're just quite happy to walk away from this one. Yeah, hopefully not. It's uh, you know, it'd be it'd be interesting. I think it might be a little bit cagey opening, opening ten. But then I think as as the first half wears on, it's gonna get. I think it's gonna open up a little bit more, and and there's gonna be risks, um, taken, and and hopefully those those risks go in the favour of Liverpool, and you know, because it, it it does feel big. It you know, even though it's so early in the season, and it's you know, it's a, it's a it's. You know, you're not making a, a massive, insurmountable gap between either team, but it is. It does lay down that marker, doesn't it? That if you get that big, that first big victory of the season over one of the people who, one of the teams who were talked about as title contenders, it certainly, you know, it gives you that confidence that you know, right, well, we've beat them, so you know, come on, bring on what's next, basically. Whereas, you know, if if you lose this type of game, you can sort of go, mm, are we quite where we need to be? And you know, you, you can sort of start questioning things a little bit, even though it is so early in the season. But, you know, that that's what these big games are all about, isn't it? It's it's about trying to lay down that market early and go, no, we're, you know, we're, we're the best team in the league or, you know, we, we want that title um, more than you. Right, we'll, we'll just finish on a word with it. Who's got the good record, Si, against Chelsea? I know, for example, Romelu Lukaku hasn't got a great record against Liverpool. I don't, I don't want to tempt fate or anything. In terms of Liverpool players... Mo Sadio, it doesn't spring off the top of my head. Is is there anyone who's who's got a bit of a sign over Chelsea? I don't think so, really. Steve. I mean, it's Salah. When when I think of Salah in a Liverpool shirt against Chelsea, I, I straight away think of the goal that he scored in front of the cop from thirty yards. So yes, you know, yes. Uh, when when you score a goal like that, and I mean, the, the the roof nearly came off all four sides of the ground when that one one went in and you know I, I did think that they were probably going to win the league at that point after that goal obviously it didn't work out that way but you know goals like that you know I'm sure he he remembers that and will still be able to take strength from that experience because it was an incredible finish you know one of the best finishes I think I've ever seen at Anfield I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that um, so yeah I mean I I always think you know that if, if Salah plays well He's still the go-to player for Liverpool, really. I think he's the player that Liverpool... I wouldn't say rely on, but the, the, he's the player that Liverpool um, can rely on to to perform, particularly in the big games. I think he's been very consistent for a long time now and it does get taken for granted a little bit sometimes, I think. Um, I thought against Burnley again, the weekend didn't score, but was was excellent. Um so yeah, if he, if he performs and that the right side of Liverpool's team performs, I, I just think it's going to be very difficult for Chelsea because they've they've at the moment don't seem to have a settled left side as well. And I, I noticed Marcus Alonso's back in the team. Ben Chilwell uh, is out or was out of the team last weekend. So yeah, I think that's an area that Liverpool can attack. Really interesting stuff. Uh, Sam Hughes, brilliant. Lovely to have you on, Andy. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. That's uh, athletic writer Andy Jones joining us for the uh, the Red Agenda. Um, hopefully we've got through loads for you. Champions League draw, Andy Robertson, new contract, Simicast, and of course the game with Chelsea. And we'll look back on that game with Chelsea next week when the Red Agenda returns for your next podcast. See you then. <laughs>